My name's Derek, and as Brenda said, welcome. Glad that you're here. Um, you should have gotten one of these when you walked in. There's an uh, outline on the back and um, lots of good stuff inside. Um, if this is your first time with us, or maybe you haven't been here for a while, we are in the middle of a series called Road Trip. And uh, we are looking at uh, all kinds of famous road trips in the Bible. We've been looking at some of Paul's road trips. We've been looking at the Israelites and their road trip. And that's actually where we find ourselves today. If you brought a Bible, we're in Exodus chapter 18. Exodus chapter 18. And uh, if you were here with us last Sunday, um, we had a, we had a, a special speaker. Uh, Carl, who um, who shared with us what was happening in Exodus chapter 16. So basically, the the story that he shared, and he shared some of his own uh, journey, and you can catch that on on our website if you if you missed it. But um, basically, the whole crux of his message was that here are these Israelites, and they've just been delivered from slavery in Egypt. Okay, and they've, God has done miracle after miracle after miracle. If you remember last week, and like it's just happened to them. And they just completely forget everything that God has done. And they're falling apart. They're grumbling. They're complaining over and over and over. And Carl was kind of reminding us that he sees himself as one of those Israelites and, uh, and how often I do too. So anyway, today we're, we pick up uh, this road trip journey in Exodus chapter 18. <coughs> and um, excuse me. And what's, what's happening is the Israelites, they've come out of Egypt and they are, they're trekking through the desert toward this land that God has promised to give them, okay? So they're on this journey, and do you guys know, remember who the leader of the Israelites is? Who's leading the charge here? Moses, very good. Okay, so Moses is leading the Israelites in the desert, and in Exodus chapter 18, kind of a curious story, you may not have heard it before, but he gets a visit from his father-in-law. And uh, I actually had a clip that I wanted to show this morning from Meet the Parents. You guys like that movie with uh, De Niro and uh, and Ben Stiller? But the, the 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 DVD was kept skipping on us this morning, so I, I couldn't get it to work. But if you were, if you've seen that movie, there's this incredible scene. Robert De Niro is this just like crazy father-in-law who's so over the top. He's like a, a ex CIA guy, and basically like in his house he's got this polygraph machine, and that's the that's the, if you remember that clip, it's absolutely hilarious. But um, but basically uh, Ben Stiller who who's the future son-in-law, gets hooked up to this, to this machine, and uh, De Niro is just grilling him. And so that was kind of the mental uh, image in my head, um, not that that is any reflection on my father-in-law, if you're listening there, uh, Barry. But um, anyway, I'm not sure, you know, if, if you've got in-laws, I'm sure they're not crazy. I'm sure they're just perfectly wonderful people. But we're going to look today at, uh, at Moses' um, father-in-law, and uh, he's got one of the greatest names. This is just worthy of, of just putting a smile on my face for a message right off the bat. His name is Jethro. Jethro. I didn't know that that came out of like Kentucky and Tennessee, but uh, I guess it's it's all the way to, uh, to, where, to Moses' time. Anyway, we're in Exodus 18, uh, starting in verse 5. It says, uh, it says, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the desert, where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. That's a little weird, just go with it. That was the kind of stuff they did back then. It's okay. All right. It says, they greeted each other and then went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. This is the reference to the parting of the Red Sea and all the miracles that God had done for them. And then it says, so Jethro said, praise be to the Lord 
who has rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh, and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now catch this, because this is an interesting verse right here. Then Jethro says these words. He says, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Now, if you don't know anything about Jethro... um, Here's the deal. You might just make the assumption, since he's like the father-in-law of Moses, that he is an Israelite, he's one of God's chosen people. He's not. He's actually not, okay? Uh, So, basically, Jethro was not there. Uh, He wasn't down in slavery in Egypt. He He didn't see the parting of the Red Sea. He wasn't a part of all these miracles, okay? Jethro is an outsider. He is actually from the land of Midian. It's something we discover in Exodus chapters 2 and 3 when Moses runs out of Egypt fearing for his life and he actually runs into some of Jethro's daughters and he ends up meeting this woman Zipporah who he marries. And that's kind of how he gets, he gets hooked up with Jethro. And, um, and so Jethro is, is from the land of Midian. Now, the Midianites who lived in Midian were a polytheistic society. So they worshipped all kinds of gods. And you can kind of see that. You see that in verse 11 there? There's obviously some influence going on there in Jethro's life. And there's all sorts of speculation, you guys. There's t- like scholars and theologians, they, they speculate about Jethro. Like, you know, who was he exactly? What did he believe? What, did, he, you know, did he believe in the same God that Moses did? Uh, and, and there's kind of this back and forth about that. And no one really knows for sure. But here's what's important for us in this story, is that Jethro is clearly an outsider in this story. Even if he has come to a place where he believes that, you know, the God of Israel is is the one true God, he clearly has an outsider's type of perspective in this story. He's not one of the chosen people who just came through um, and is, is trekking through. He's just meeting up with Moses here. So let's read on in the story. It says, uh, starting again in, in verse 13, it says, the next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And the people stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, Moses, what is this you're doing for the people? I love that. It's a well-written story here. Um, Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? So Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. And I decide between the parties, and I inform them of God's decrees and laws. Now what's happening here is, this, this really only makes sense if you're not an outsider, if you're one of the, the, you know, the, the Israelites, this makes sense. Because all along, God has been primarily speaking to one person, right? And that's Moses. So from, from this burning bush, if you've heard the story of Moses in the burning bush, that's when God kind of tells Moses, you're going to go, you're going to talk to Pharaoh, you're going you're to be part of my plan of deliverance for Israel, right? And all the way through, God and Moses are having these dialogues, and Moses is constantly coming back to the people and saying, God said this to me, God gave me this word. So if you're an Israelite, let's pretend we're all Israelites in the desert right now, and we've got problems, issues, disputes, things, we're trying to figure out God's will. Who are we naturally going to go to? We're going to Moses, right? I mean, Moses is the one that clearly has some sort of like cool cell phone connection straight to God here. And so basically, Moses is like, look, you know, this is all the people come to me. That's that's the way it is. And, you know, here's Jethro and he sees this. okay? and basically he just goes, 
what in the world? It's like there's crowds of people from sun up until, like Moses, from the moment he wakes up till the moment he goes to bed, he's just inundated with all these people coming to him. And Moses and Jethro's just kind of like, Moses, what is going on? What are you doing? And, you know, you could say that that's, that's kind of an obvious question or an interesting question. That question, it, it reminds me so much of my very first job coming out of school. See, I was, uh, I was a business major in college at Miami University in Ohio, and my first job, I uh, was working as a consultant, a business consultant, uh, for a big professional services firm in, in Cincinnati. And so, um, I'm like, you know, 22 years old. I, you know, I've been filled up with, with all these theories and business models, but I have like no practical real world experience at all. Like, I'm just totally naive. And basically, you know, we would get thrown in and we're working with companies that are doing like major change. They're having major changes going on. They're implementing a huge software system. They're trying to make their company more efficient. So I'm working with these like mid-tier manufacturing companies. And so I'd get thrown into the shop floor. And, uh, and basically, you know, here I am, 22 years old, and I'm asking these guys who've been, you know, running this, running this line in the factory for 30 years. And, uh, and you know, basically, like, I'm, what am I doing? I'm just, I'm just taught to ask questions. You know, that's kind of the role of me as an outsider, right? I'm, I'm just the same as Jethro. I'm just, I'm just, just asking. Just, hey, what are you guys doing? How does this process work? And these guys are looking at me, you know, and if you guys have any experience, either being a consultant or having to had work with consultants, nobody likes consultants, right? I mean, everybody hates consultants. They're just like meeting after meeting after meeting after question after question after question. And these guys are looking at me like, what in the are you doing here telling me what to do? But um, really, that there's tremendous value sometimes in asking those obvious questions that no one else in Israel, they were all just like, well, this is obviously the way it is. I mean, God speaks to Moses, and this is how it works, so we all stand around from morning to night trying to get it figured out. Well, Jethro is not satisfied with that. And so after Moses explains to him what's going on, Moses' father-in-law, this is verse 17, he's, he replies, Moses, what you're doing is not good. Now, that wasn't something they taught us to say in consulting. Uh, we would never say that. But uh, you got to love this. You know, here's, here's Moses. He's led the whole nation of Israel, like, out of slavery, miraculous stuff going on. Like, he is the man. You know what I'm saying? Moses is the man. And his, his father-in-law just calls him. And he's like, dude, what you're doing is not good, man. Um, and then he goes on in verse 18. And he says, Jethro says to Moses, he says, You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I'll give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and the laws and show them the way to live and the duties they're to perform. But, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide for themselves. So Jethro sees what's going on, and he makes actually this brilliant recommendation to Moses. He basically says, look, man, you have got to delegate in this situation. This is just not working for you. And if you can delegate, there's two things that are going to happen. He tells me there's two things that are going to happen. We're reading down now into the second half of verse 22 and into 23. The first thing Jethro tells Moses, he says, that'll make your load lighter because they will share it with you, all these people that you're getting involved. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand 
the strain. So that's the first thing. That's a very practical thing. It's going to make Moses' life just so much easier. But the most important thing, that's not the most important thing, okay? The most important thing is what he says next. He says, and all these people will go home satisfied. Now, you've got to picture this scene, okay? You've got a nation that is out in the desert under tremendous stress and strain, okay? Think about what you're like when you're stressed out, when your needs aren't getting met, okay? When you're on little sleep. Think, you're, you're a good person, aren't you? You're really good to be around. So, so you know, you've got to imagine, this is an amped up, stressed out group of people. This whole nation of people wandering through the desert, okay? There is so much tension and strain and all. I mean, can you imagine? This would have been like the greatest reality TV show of all time. You know what I'm saying? This would have been absolutely nuts. And so all these people who are bickering and fighting and arguing and having all these issues, they're all coming to Moses. They're all just standing around. There is so much dysfunction going on around Moses. And basically what Jethro says is, look, this system isn't working. Okay, if you put this new system into place, you empower a whole bunch of people to get involved, then, then it says the whole, all the people will go home satisfied. Now that word satisfied in the Hebrew is the word shalom. You heard that word before? Shalom. Okay, it's a great word and it means peace. But not just peace like, oh, peace and love, you know, we think about that. It's a much deeper uh, sense of peace. It has to do with, with peace and prosperity, with a, a sense of completeness and wholeness. So the idea, what, what Jethro is really after there is he's saying, look, if you can put this in place, this community, this nation will experience shalom, will experience just a sense of, of what it's supposed to be, this completeness as a group. Now, this advice that Jethro uh, gives to Moses and to the nation of Israel is so spot on, you guys, for the church today. Okay? And that's what I want to talk about for the next few minutes. Because you see, here's what happens. See, just the same way that the Israelites had fallen into this trap of thinking, you know what, if it's going to get done, if we're going to figure it out, it's, it's, it's Moses. I mean, he's the one that God speaks through and works through, and that's kind of how it works. We fall into that same trap as Christians in the church. And I will, I'll just speak from my own experience. Uh, before I came to Grace about seven years ago, I had grown up in church and um, kind of here was my mentality before Grace, before I really kind of understood what, what church was really about. This is kind of what I used to think. So I come and I show up to a church service and, uh, and basically my role in a church service is to kind of sit there and, and listen and be attentive and, and to learn. But basically the work of the church is in the hands of the pastor. You know, the pastor is the one that prepares and does everything and like, you know, hears from God and gives this great message and, you know, like if there's, if there's praying to do or if there's work to be done, whatever it is the church has to do, basically that's for the pastor to do. And I'm there, you know, just to kind of like sponge that up and to try and kind of follow along a little bit and, uh, you know, maybe to, to cheer on the pastor from time to time. Hey, this is great. We love this church. And, um, that's just kind of been my, that was my mental model of the church. Church is really about the key leaders that are doing all the work. And uh, what's interesting is that if you look in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible does, does God lay it out that way. Does God describe the church anywhere near that way? Um, you know, when the Bible describes the church, it doesn't describe it as a building or a pastor, or a board, or anything like that. But the way the Bible describes the church, this is great. If you've never heard this imagery, but basically the way God lays out this imagery of the church is it's like the bo- it's a body 
of Jesus Christ, the body of Jesus Christ. I want to read it uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, and then verse 27. It says this. It says, The body is a unit. Though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Okay, now here it comes, verse 27. It says, Now you are the body of Christ. He's speaking to the church here. All of us in this room right now, this is speaking to all of us collectively. We are the body of Christ. And each one of us is a part of it. So, this is this crazy notion that I did not at all get my mind wrapped around for like the first 25 years of my life. But it's this notion that all of us in this room right now, we, like, not literally, but, but figuratively speaking, we, each of us together, is the body of Jesus Christ walking around. Now think about this. Jesus Christ was the greatest person to walk this planet, okay? Regardless of, of how you feel about him, um, he, he is the most known name, I mean, he, just far above anybody else. Wherever Jesus Christ went, there was healing and hope and love and reconciliation just going on all over the place, okay? So here's the deal. Jesus isn't here anymore, right? I mean, he's not walking around physically on this earth. And so what we are told as the church, if you are here today and you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, here is the crazy, audacious truth for you. That's Jesus isn't here anymore. So we, we in this room right here, basically are Jesus. We are Jesus. Okay, that's what's wild. Each of us in this room is like a little piece of Jesus' body. Now, I don't know which piece you want to be, okay? But you can just think about which piece you want, okay? We are Jesus' body. And basically, like, when when this church service is over and we go out and we just kind of scatter out through the greater Arlington area, it's as if Jesus just, just, like, multiplied, okay? And little pieces of Jesus are going all out to carry on the work that Jesus Christ came to do. Okay, that's pretty awesome to me. I mean, it's pretty humbling. I don't know if I can live up to that. But the reality is that each of us is a little piece of Jesus walking around. That's the picture of the church. Okay, the church, if you have a model in your mind that the church is this building, like you think church, you think building, key school, Thomas Jefferson Middle School. Like, no, that's that's not it. That's not that's not a biblical understanding of the church. I'm sorry, but uh, we've got to try and kind of reorient ourselves. Okay, and the church is not about a pastor or a key leadership team. The church is every single one of us as the body of Jesus Christ, his representatives in the world. And I believe that the reason so many churches, you guys, are missing the mark today, so many churches aren't getting it, is because all of us in the church we completely have lost sight of that vision. We don't think we're a piece of Jesus that when we walk out of here we're a representative for him. We think that's the pastor's job, right? We couldn't be further from the truth. You know what makes Grace Community Church so great, in my opinion? What makes this church so wonderful to be a part of, to be for me to be on staff? Um, it actually has nothing to do with um, the staff here at Grace, the ones who are who are full time here. Nothing to do with the full time staff. It definitely doesn't have anything to do with the preaching. Okay, especially not John's sermons. Um, you know that's not what makes Grace Community Church so great. What makes this church so great? You know what it is? It's the person volunteering down in the nursery. 
okay, who is down there, and when a single mom comes and brings her little baby down to that nursery, and she feels comfortable enough, she gets a, a, a welcome and just feels comfortable enough to put her baby down in that nursery, she can come up here into this space and she can hear a message of hope and a message of healing. It's, it's what makes this church so great. It's that greeter at the front door who, who uh, welcomes that person who maybe hasn't been to church in 10, 15, 20 years, who's all but given up on God. And they see that greeter with just a big smile on their face, shake their hand, and genuinely and sincerely welcome them and, and just bring them in here. And then they come in and they're like, you know what? I was so nervous coming in here. And now they actually have a chance to, to reconnect with God. It's the members of the prayer team who, right after each of our services, are back in the prayer and communion room where you can go back. And basically, they're there to pray with anyone who just needs some encouragement who just needs someone to, to pray with them, to increase their faith a little bit. What makes this church so great? It's the army of volunteers who show up here starting at 7 o'clock in the morning and put out every one of these chairs that you guys are sitting in right now and wire up all the sound and everything up on the stage gets set up. And so we don't have to worry about that. We can just come here. You know, we just, we just roll in 9.15 and we can just worry about connecting with God. And that's how it should be. What makes... This church, such a neat place to be a part of. I tell you what, if you don't know what's going on in our Graceland Kids program, it's, it's unbelievable, you guys. The teachers who are down there are so committed and so creative and so talented. Let me just tell you what's, what's going on, okay? We have so many kids that week in and week out now, are coming memorizing Bible verses. Okay, I can't tell you the last Bible verse I tried to memorize. Like I, okay, they are coming, they are so fired up about doing church, about coming and being a part of this thing. We have, we have child after child after child that are asking us, coming up to me. Okay, I've had two kids come up to me in the last month saying, when is the next baptism service? Because I want to get baptized. I'm ready. I've put my faith in Jesus. That is so awesome to me. We even had a family. This is a true spot-on story. Listen to this. We had a family that was planning a weekend trip, okay, and it coincided with our monthly M&M Sunday we do here at Grace, music and missions, okay, where we do bribe the kids with M&Ms. Okay, it's true. We had two kids, elementary school-age kids, who said, can we go a different weekend, Mom? Can we go a different? Because we don't want to miss this Sunday. And the family rescheduled to be here. That's when you know something is going right in your kids' programs. So what makes this church so great is the army of people who understand that this isn't just, you know, a couple of key people. Where the church is reaching its potential, when the church is the hope of the world, it's when everyone is involved in the game. It's when everyone is getting off the sidelines and getting involved. And that is when the church is the, is the hope of the world. So here's what I want to say to you guys here this morning. Um, we are all at different places in our journey. Some of us have been coming to Grace for 10 years. Some of us, this is our very first week. And I just want to say, if this is your first week uh, and you're just checking things out, then just sit back and relax and just chill. This is not, um, I'm, but I'm going to, I want to challenge you guys a little bit. So you get a free pass if like, if you're just kind of visiting or you're just checking things out. Okay, it's, it's totally cool. No, no problem. But if you are here this morning and you call Grace Community Church your home church, this is your home church. This is where you come. You may not come that often, but this is where you come when you come. Okay? 
I want to call you out this morning, okay? And I don't do this very often, but I got to tell you, this is just from my heart. I was going to a great church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Awesome church. I, I mean, it, it did so much for me. But you know, the one thing, the one regret that I have is they never called me off the sidelines. I just sat in the back. I came and I went. It was cool. I mean, I really, really was growing and doing a lot of cool, you know, a lot of cool stuff was happening in my life. But they never called me out. They never, you know, they, I mean, and, and I, that's a cop out because I'm sure they called me out a million times, but that's just how I remember it. <laughs> um, <laughs> just to be honest. Um, total cop out. Anyway, um, so I want to call you out this morning. I don't want you to be able to say, you know, down the road uh, when you get your new assignment with the State Department or you get your new big thing and your career takes off and you leave Grace and you're like, man, they just, I just always, I wish I would have gotten involved, but no one ever asked me. I want to call you out this morning a little bit, okay? Um, here's the deal. Um, we are getting ready to move to Thomas Jefferson Middle School on October the 3rd. This is one of the most exciting chapters in Grace's history. Um, one of the reasons why it's so exciting is because when you move locations, there's something that just happens. Interest gets stirred up, and people who normally would not engage in church are going to become interested. Okay, does that... That, for me, that's so exciting. People who do not normally engage in church are going to become interested, and they're going to want to see what's going on at this church. We're doing a couple of mailers. We're doing one, like the Got Milk ad. It's going to say, it says, hate church. It's going to be hitting mailboxes in, in a couple of weeks, okay? And it's just trying to reach out to people who have just been totally turned off by church but haven't given up on God. We're going to see, I don't, we don't even know what we're going to see when we make that move on October the 3rd. But what we do know is that we need to be positioned so that this church truly is reaching its potential. And that involves every single one of you guys in this room. That verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, now you, that means all you guys, now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you, every single one of us, is a part of it. What I'm asking for you to do is to, if you are here, and maybe you've never gotten involved in anything, maybe you feel like Jethro, maybe you feel a little bit like an outsider, uh, and you're like, I don't know how to plug in here, you know, I wouldn't even know the first thing. I'm, in, I'm asking you today to take a step of faith and to get in the game. Maybe you've been here coming for a while, and maybe you've kind of dabbled in something, maybe you volunteered here and there, but you've just never really found that thing where you feel like, you know, that was, yeah, I really enjoyed that, or I felt like it was a good fit. No, I tried doing something one time, and it just didn't really work out. Okay, I want to encourage you to take a step and try it again. This is a pivotal time in Grace Community Church's history, and if you are consider yourself a part of this church, it's time to step up and be part of the body of Christ. So here's, here's the thing. Here's what I got for you this morning. In your bulletin, I want everyone to put you, find this thing, okay? Um, you'll see that we have a Connect card, and you'll see it looks a little bit different, okay? What I want everybody to do um, is, uh, is to take this Connect card and, uh, and to fill it out. And you've got to fill out both sides. Don't just fill out the front, and then we don't know who the heck you are. That does not help us, okay? But basically, here's, here's what I want to try, okay, for, for this coming month before we move over to Thomas Jefferson Middle School. You just want to give you the opportunity 
Okay, to just try, take a one shot, just just one time. If you've always wanted to know, yeah, I'd love to see what the what the kids program is, but man, I don't. I'm not ready to sign up for a one year commitment, you know, down the nursery yet. You know, you just want to see what it looks like. We want to give you the opportunity to be able to take a look. Maybe you've always wanted to know, yeah, what is it like to kind of be a greeter? How does that work? Or what does the setup process really involve, or the sound, or whatever? We just want to give you an opportunity, one time, no hassle, no obligation. I promise you, we will not we will not put you on some indefinite commitment. Okay, and for some of you, you may want to try several different ones until you find the one where you really feel like you fit. Okay, it's not all going to work for us the first time, but just an opportunity to jump in and give it a shot. This is what it means for the church to have everybody involved, and um, and so I just want you to to look down that list. There's there's a number of different things. Um, you fill that out. Someone will be in contact with you this week, and uh, and we'll get you plugged in. And then what we're going to do is we're going to follow up with you after the fact just to find out how it went and to see, hey, was that cool? Do you want to do it again? Is there something else you might like to try? So this is just a way to kind of explore, and uh, and hopefully for those of you who are in on the sidelines or maybe you kind of are still like, oh, man, yeah, I need to get involved. This is, this is it. This is the time to do it. So um, anyway, I, I really appreciate you guys. And uh, if th- again, if this is like your first time at Grace or something, I don't normally put everyone on the spot and try and call you out. But but uh, this is just this is something that I'm so excited about. And uh, with all of us in this room uh, investing our time and our talents uh, for the church and being true representatives of Jesus here on this earth, uh, we can truly uh, change this community and impact people's lives. So um, anyway... I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Let's pray. Uh, God, um, I want to thank you for uh, for this story of uh, of Jethro and for him calling out uh, the Israelites and just seeing kind of a system that wasn't working as effectively as it could. Uh, Lord, this has so much to say to us as a church, to all of us who kind of have, have gotten into this mental model that the church is about a building or the church is about a pastor or, or a board or a leadership team, God. Lord, help us to reorient ourselves and to realize that the church is comprised of every single one of us using our time and our talents as your representative, Jesus, here on this earth. We somehow, some crazy way, are the body of Christ. Each one of us is a little piece of Jesus Christ in this world. Help us to grab on and take responsibility for that. Help this church to be a place of hope to be a place of healing, to be a place of love, to be a place where truly anyone can walk through these doors and just encounter you, Jesus, maybe even through each of us. What an awesome privilege to get to be a part of this church. Lead us and guide us as we move toward this move on October the 3rd and show every single person here, God, every single person here, what team they should jump into, how they should serve and just get involved. Help us all to get in the game. In the awesome name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Okay, so if you're listening to this message online, either through the podcast or you went on our on our website and, and just downloaded it, I want to give you an opportunity to, if you... Um, call grace your home church to uh to jump in and so if you go um, onto our website at uh, www.trygrace.org 
and uh, and you click on the messages tab at the top, and you um, go to t- today's message, which is get in the game. Um, you will see a little um, a little document icon out just just right next to the get in the game uh, words there. If you click on that icon, um, you will be able to download a list of the different uh, opportunities of the different teams to get involved with. And so I want to encourage you to do that, and then you'll uh, have instructions on where to where to send that little piece of paper to, so that we can get you plugged in. Because um, we definitely want you to be able to get in the game too, even if you're listening online. Thanks, and uh, God bless.